From Content360, this is the state of client acquisition. Okay, and we are live with Kurt Sasa. We are going to be talking about alpha selling. Kurt, how are you doing today? Good, how are you doing, man? Excellent. So great to have you on here. I was originally planning to simply have this as a live where people can ask questions on the in the comments box but i always do much better when i can talk to actually a live human being so it's great to have you here kurt and we're going to be covering maybe some of your selling challenges if there are any if that's okay with you sure awesome so would you like to quickly introduce yourself tell people what you do and uh, what have you been working on over the last couple of months so my name is Kurt Sasek, a former chef, and now I run a promotional agency. So I am responsible for all the business, whether we get a lot of business or no business. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess you could say I'm in a sales position in a way because mm -hmm. I'm the one that recruits business. So, so that's, that's it. And, um, you know, I've had to basically teach myself sales, cold calls, cold emailing, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's where it's at. Okay, cool. And so when you say promotional agency, who do you normally work with? Who, what's your client base? Alcohol. We work with brands to help promote their products. Got it. Got it. Okay, good. So the people you sell to are usually brand managers of consumer goods companies, meaning customers. Customers like in stores. Okay, got it. Got it. But in order to set up that promotion, you need to work with a B2B vendor first, and then you ultimately, the end customer is the consumer. Yes. Yeah, got it. Okay, so the the person who says yes to you is a, it's a B two B sale that you need to do. You you yes. have right. So you go to Bacardi and you say, hey Bacardi, we would like to do this promotion with you. Let's set it up. And they say yes. They pay you. You organize the promotion, and then people happy and drinking. In a nutshell, yeah. Okay, cool, awesome. So maybe if we could start with that, and I have plenty of slides prepared. Maybe if you could tell me where roughly you have challenges uh, with selling or why you were interested in this program in this well the, the the only thing i really have trouble with is is uh i feel com I'm, i connect with people pretty well i'm a personable person but um for me just uh cold calls cold emails stuff like that that's really the only area i want to improve in mm -hmm. okay good uh and so once you have somebody on a sales call then you do well. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's what it, it's more um, establishing the connection. Uh, for, you know, uh, cold. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, once yeah, but I generally connect with people pretty well. Okay, good. So maybe this uh, this would warrant a different kind of presentation. I'm happy to adjust it because after all, you're here already. So let us cover because this the selling process. What I'm covering here is mainly about once you have somebody on a call, how you can actually do the discovery, what are the problems that you're going to be working on, and then uh, it's effectively getting somebody to a close, right? So in this presentation that I have prepared here, we are not necessarily covering the actual how do you get that call in the first place, okay? So what I'm happy to do, if you want to, I could swap this out for my approach to conversational prospecting. How do you start a conversation with a stranger on LinkedIn and get it to a point where they are happy to say yes? Would that be more interesting to you or do you prefer what, to stay with the program here? Whatever works for you. I'm, I'm good either way. Um, you know, If I learn, then I'm happy. Okay, good. Well, what we'll do then, let me just quickly pause the share or let me just do this. 
Because after all, I mean, man, you're here. And how about I simply give you some value here? Prospecting, album prospecting. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And let's just do that. Yeah, and I think you will actually really like the, the whole idea of the wider field of concern. Okay, so people who you are watching, we are doing a flying swap out of the agenda. No problem at all because we have Kurt on here who has challenges with uh, cold email up on prospecting. So let's just do that. Cool. Okay, so what we are going to be covering here is the sort of a 30,000 foot view on your market, then a tool I call the wider field of concern. And this is all about how do you start talking to a stranger and getting them to a point where they are interested in getting on the phone with you. Then after the wider field of concern, which is like a my own device that I've created to have really engaging conversations with people, then we're going to go to the prospecting sequence breakdown. How do we actually talk to someone in a way that they are willing to, to um, talk to us? A couple of resources and time management and doing the math. Cool. So 30,000 foot view on your market. So this is going to be your secret weapon. Prospecting sets our program apart from most of the LinkedIn coaching programs, which mostly focus on content. And you'll experience the real high of being in charge of your economic fate because, and these are my numbers, Kurt. I wonder what yours are, if you have any. When I start a hundred conversations with strangers on LinkedIn, and I start them in the way that we're going to be covering here, I get about 50 responses about 30 out of them become good conversations. And of them, I book somewhere between five to 10 calls. And out of those, usually I get probably one client, right? The prospecting calls, they're very short. And then we do sales calls and that's that's then one client. So those are my rough numbers. Do you have any numbers in this in this way? Uh, actually, I don't. <laughs> you don't, okay. So it's, it would be really good to start tracking that simple spreadsheet where you just log every conversation. You can log every conversation you started, but you might also just want to log those conversations where people responded. It's going to be less work and you just start, 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 start. And then you see what gets back and you log that. And then you track. From then on, you track. Okay, cool. Uh, so this is a quick reminder. This is what your market looks like. The If you look at the entire spectrum of people who could potentially buy from you, at the very left end here, the green bit, it's I call them the shoe-ins. Those are the easy sells, perfect fits, completely unproblematic clients to work to work with you. And they come from inbound network and referrals. And this is what most solopreneurs actually rely on, right? It's just they, they get those people, they don't know how to prospect, they don't know how to sell, and that's it. And this is when people don't know how to sell really well, this is what they have to deal with. This is what they have to do with. And then there's the other part I call the bedrock, which is the second tile, the second brick from the left, is um, this is what anybody can access by implementing a good system, a daily practice, constant improvement, good mindset, and, and discipline. And then the next one is the cream on top. This opens up once you have a firm grasp on the bedrock, right? So these are the people who are sort of, they do experience the pain a little bit, but they are you know, you need to really have all your A game. You need to have all your perfect marketing collateral. They need to be really impressed with you and then they will sign up. Cool. Hi, Anrik. Uh, no problem that you're late. We have changed the agenda. We're talking about outbound prospecting. So I hope this is something you're interested in still. Okay. So is that clear more or less, Kurt? So you have the, the of everybody who could buy from you, only about 5% of people who are actively experiencing a problem that they want to deal with. 
And then there's the vast ocean of indifference in the middle. And that is basically everybody in your audience, many future clients. And you, the ideal there is that you put out content, you nurture, and you, you inform them en masse. And then there's the opposition and people, you know, the haters who will never work with you. So you can forget about those. Cool. Okay. So this is an example of a, a hater. We don't have to go into very much, but I just connected with them. And then this person immediately went into, no, I don't connect with anyone who references leads. It's a sign of a spammer and so on. So you don't have to deal with these kinds of people. It's just an example of what, of what most people experience when they are doing prospecting in any uh, systematic way. Cool. Okay. So the art of organic prospecting is, and this is really key, is to make the shoe-ins declare themselves easily. Meaning you start a conversation with a stranger, you don't know where they are. And if they are a shoe-in, they will basically respond to you, oh, you're exactly what I need. That is the goal of prospecting with the shoe-ins. Then it's about uncovering the bedrock. Who are the people who would really sign up with you if you just did a good job? Gradually access the cream on top and then end conversations with those who are in the ocean of indifference on a positive note and ignore the opposition and the haters. And that is in the most effective way possible. So this is what outbound prospecting is all about. And that is what I say. Prospecting is not about selling, convincing, or cajoling anyone. It's about finding the truth. And this is what you do when you yeah, do outbound prospecting, finding out which group the person we are speaking to belongs to. Right. And so this is a message I received recently, and they are not doing a good job at that. Look at this. They say, hey, Michael, I'm excited to have you in my network, provide value for you on LinkedIn. And then I help businesses find the right messages to generate more leads and sales. Anything I can help you with. It's just very broad. You know, it's just comes with a pitch slap right away, right out, of, right out of the gate. And the problem with this is that it makes all of the cream and almost all of the bedrock say no, leaving only the shoe-ins. You may actually get, have a shoe-in that you are talking to, but it's a very low likelihood. It's much more likely you have a cream person or a bedrock person and you are alienating them. They don't want to talk to you if this is what you say. And that's far too many false negatives. And you can make up for it via volume by pitch slapping and spamming people, but it's just not very, uh, not very good idea. And the biggest mistakes I see people make in prospecting is that they waste time on the 95%. They are just trying to squeeze out water from that rock that won't yield anything because these are not people who are willing to act now. Right. And you, the people are trying to evangelize the non-believers. They're trying to convert people, right, including the ocean of indifference. And of course, there's a very fine line between selling the dream and trying to evangelize the non-believers. And a good heuristic is to apply two to three pokes and that's it. And uh, caring about anything the opposition and the haters say. And then a big mistake is allowing emotions to enter your interactions. You know, so allowing the fact that 95 percent of the market are negative to make you despondent and engage in self-fulfilling prophecy and, oh, I'm sure this will be a no again. And there's two extremes in the gold middle. And there's the pitch slap where people just say, like what I just showed you, hey, this is what we do. Do you need help with that? And then there's the rapport neverland, right? Where it's, oh my God, I love your post about your puppy and how is your baby doing? And they never get anywhere. We need to be somewhere in the middle. We need to be friendly, personalized, and goal-oriented. But we want to find out if there are somebody we can help, you know? So... That's, that's roughly the 30,000 foot view on the market of who is approachable via outbound prospecting. So effectively, 
yeah, no, let's now look at the wider field of concern. Now, many people, I don't know if this is your case, Kurt, is that I don't, I, you just start with, I don't know what to say. When you start a conversation, you just are stuck for, okay, I don't want to immediately get into business, but I also want to, you know, build some rapport. So that is an issue. And the solution is the wider field of concern. And so the theory of the wider field of concern is you, you think about it's a, it's a technique to frame a conversation and keep it going. It helps you avoid getting stuck, not knowing what to ask about. It's a frame of reference for you to ask questions in. It requires you to be invested in their success, no matter if they work with you or not. So it's narrow field of concern is their needs for your product or service. And the wider field of concern, broader desires in the area you work in. Okay, so the narrow field of concern, for example, for you, Kurt, if I were to see you as a prospecting target for me, would be whether you want to, whether you need help with organic client acquisition on LinkedIn. But your wider field of concern is broader than that. You simply, I would assume, since you are responsible for your promotional agency's client acquisition, you're generally about client acquisition. You don't necessarily care if it's organic or paid or whatever. If you find a good way, you would take it. Is that right? Yeah. Great. And so you want to obviously grow the revenue of your business. That's the main, at least business related priority. And that is the wider field of concern. Let me give you an, an example of somebody who uh, is actually working with me. He's a book coach. And so his product is coaching to consultants to become book authors. The narrow field of concern is, have they ever thought about writing a book? Have you tried writing a book? And the wider field of concern is, how are you, Mr. Consultant, getting clients? How are you showcasing your unique expertise to the world? What have you tried to get noticed? So the narrow field of concern is, I help consultants write a book. The wider field of concern is, consultants want to get new clients. And so this is what you will start a conversation about, about the consultants wish to get new clients rather than, hey, have you thought about writing a book? Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So second example of the wider field of concern is, let's say that the product is confidence coaching for insecure and stressed professionals. The narrow field of concern is, do they have confidence issues? Are there situations where lack of confidence is holding them back? wider field of concern is how are you getting ahead in your career? How long ago is your last promotion? Do you have a plan for the next five years? And these are the types of questions that allow you to get talking with somebody about their specific world for which your product might be a solution. Okay. So it's not necessarily, again, to stay with the example of the book coach, you could start a conversation. Hey, Kurt, have you ever thought about writing a book? But that's like, it's basically a pitch slap. If I'm a book coach, that's basically a pitch slap. But if I say, Kurt, so you know a lot of stuff. You've been, I think I, I looked at your background, Kurt. You you worked in the army as well. Is that right? No, no, I was a chef. Oh, you were a chef, but you were somewhere like you traveled around the world. No, you were in like different countries. Yeah, yeah but it wasn't in military. Ah, okay. Okay. I thought, I thought there was that. Okay, great. So you have a really interesting background as a chef and now you're working in promotional and, and branding and, and agency. I could, if I were somebody who's trying to get you to write a book, I would like to talk about your varied experience. What have you learned, for example, as a chef that you can now apply in marketing? 
right? Those are likely topics that you are much more willing to talk about when we are just when we just connected, rather than whether you wanted to write a book, right? So I need to kind of look at it from your point of view. Okay, that's the whole theory of the wider field of concern. Cool. And at the core of the wider field of concern is genuine care about somebody's needs and wants. You need to want them to be successful, even without your paid support. This is why, for example, again, to stay with the example of the book coach, if somebody tells me, I'm doing videos on YouTube, I'm getting great success with them, I'm very, I get great promotion, and I'm just going to invest more time in that. My response should be awesome. Great for you. You don't need a book. You are already doing great on YouTube and it's much better for you to keep investing in that than to write a book at this stage. That would be the correct response for some for someone who is really genuinely invested in the success of their clients. Thank you, Andre. Thanks for the nice comments. So it's also the wider field of concern is a great theme for a podcast that you might launch, right? So let's look at your, for example, brand managers, Kurt, that you are selling to, the people who are your buyers, right? You would want them to, of course, to think about what kind of promotional activities can we do? What kind of events can we launch, right? But you could think wider, what is a brand manager's world look like? What other things outside of brand promotion, out, yeah, outside of promotional events, do they consider what works for them? What kind of activation activities for a brand are they concerned in? And you could run a podcast that says brand managers world, invite interesting brand managers to speak about. All the while you are only covering a slice of their world, namely uh, promotional events. But you could talk to them about all their entire area that they are interested in. Right. And that is the wider field of concern. What is a brand manager's world consist of? And this is the source of great insight and great content for you to start conversations over. Okay. It also, the wider field of concern allows you to learn about the needs and wants of your market. It's effectively market research. Okay. Does that make sense? Any questions about the wider field of concern? No, I was good. Cool. Okay. So let's look at the prospecting sequence breakdown. Very nice. Let's go hands on. How do you start a conversation with a stranger? After connecting, you start with an opener and rapport building. You go into exploration, which is the majority of the time. And then you go into the close. The goal of these phases is only to get them to, to the next stage. The goal of the opener and rapport is get them to respond. Build rapport. Risks and mistakes that people make here is that they're being boring. They're getting stuck in limbo because it's comfortable and they're being too salesy. Displaying low status is another one. When you say, oh my God, it's so amazing what you did in your life. And so if you overdo that, low status doesn't really help you very much. In the exploration phase, the goal is to, and that is so key, it's really key. It's not about trying to sell to them. Exploration is about finding out if you might be a fit. Okay, it's a very big difference between trying to sell to them rather than being a fit. That is what you're looking to find out. It's you're like a detective who tries to identify whether they are someone you could help. Risks and mistakes here are is asking too many questions, not going for the close, displaying low status again. And then the close is offering a call. If the exploration has showed you that they are someone who you could help, you offer them a call. You get them to agree to a 15-minute intro call. The risks are or mistakes people make and not doing it. Very often when I work with my clients, they show me their conversations. 
I say, look, this guy is presenting you. He says he has a problem. At this point, you need to say, sounds like something I might be able to help you with. Would you like to jump on a call, right? That is the biggest mistake. Sometimes people do it too early, which is also happens, but not that often. Cool. Who do we open with? Everybody who you added through demographic search. We don't have to go into the details. You just start good openers. Good openers, the best openers reference something that the target cares about. This is why openers are very easy in behavioral targeting where you connect with people over content and always look for something in their profile or content to reference, right? To make it fun and playful, add some personality. You will not always find something that's okay, but always try to make it clear that your message could not have been automated. Okay, don't mention their company because that always looks like an automation, but reference something that they recently said or that is written in their about section. But do also force yourself to start a conversation in five minutes and don't sweat it too much. It's a numbers game after all. Okay, so this is like a very easy sequence. You know, you for two minutes, you look for a personalized hook. Great, you found one, write a personalized first message and log your activity. If you didn't find one, Find a good enough template message that you just shoot out as a Hail Mary. Some uh, typical openers of mine, for example, a few examples. Hi, Stephen, good to be connected. Have you caught up with your chicken sandwich backlog by now? Because the person was somehow writing about chicken sandwiches and having too many. So that's a good start because it gets people to respond. Ha ha, yeah, not much, blah, blah, blah. Or, um, hey, look, good to be connected. Pretty cool background. Is that Vancouver? Um, You've been out in business for four years. Are you so established that your client acquisition is practically effortless? Probably helps to be so well networked in the local startup community as you are, right? So this is a more businessy rapport builder. And all of those are uh, openers that I've received responses to. Or this one, Barbara says, hi, thanks for the invite. I love Austria. Where are you? And then I just start, hey, I'm near Vienna. Have you been to Austria? Great business you have there and so on. So I just, and then I ask, what kind of founders do you usually work with? And that is already a transition into the exploration phase. Remember, we go from opener rapport to exploration. Good rapport building. Most people overestimate that this, right? They think, oh, I have to build so much rapport. I have to ask about their kids and their two dogs, you know, Giuseppe and Romeo and so on. It's like, no, 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 no. Once you have um, started a conversation, which is like two backs and forths, about a topic that is not related to your product or service, you have a report, you can continue, you can move on to exploration. Example, great to connect, Sam. I saw you worked in Stockholm. That's where I went to uni. How did you like it? Oh yeah, cool, people were nice, winters were rough. Haha, ha, yeah, it's no Riviera, but then there's Gluck. Yeah, that helps. So how are things are going at Sam's code? Right? It's like, that's enough rapport. You don't need to do more. Cool. Now let's look at the exploration phase. The big part here, you try to find out if they have a problem you can help them with. I would recommend that you'd steer the conversation to your topic, but avoid going straight for the kill. Like, do you have problems with client acquisition? I would not ask that. It's just too on the nose. It's too hardcore. Instead, reference something that allows you to enter the space. Like, I see you quite active on LinkedIn. How's it going for you? Do you see results? So for example, if you have brand managers, on uh, that you are talking to you starting conversations with them on linkedin you quickly check them out are they active on instagram is their brand active on instagram and then you reference hey i see you're quite busy on instagram does that is that showing you good results right that is pretty direct but it's not as extreme as hey would you like to run promotional events right 
It's a bit of an art to do to do exploration well, but the most important rule is be curious and non-needy. And then reframe, you don't want to sell, you want to find the truth. This is what it's all about. Just try to find the truth. If you stick with that, if that is the only takeaway from your conversational prospecting, Kurt, for this, this, uh, from this session, this is it. Only try to find the truth, but keep the conversation going. Don't be shy to think, oh my God, I don't want to ask now. What if they are pissed off? They will forget. Even if you annoy them, they will forget. There's just too much going on otherwise. Okay? You're not prying, you're exploring. Uh, quickly about frame control, why are you doing outbound prospecting? Sometimes the target, the prospect wants to impose their agenda on you. For example, by asking you to outline your approach when they say, okay, so how do you actually, how do you work and how much do you cost, right? I recommend that you deflect that by saying, well, in my experience, what works best is that we get on a 15 minute call where we can discuss whether we are a good fit. It, don't try to be antagonistic and say, no, I only do this on calls, but it's like, in my experience, what works best? That's a great line, by the way. If ever they want to impose something on you that you don't like, just say, in my experience, what works best, blah, blah, blah. And then on some occasions, when you feel there are no-nonsense professional who is ready to buy and wants to shorten the path, do share the pricing info. That's fine. Trust your gut. That's essentially it. And if they insist, then it's a bit of a power play. And they're trying to impose their frame on you. I recommend you don't fall for it, but stick with your frame. Instead, you can say something like, well, I have many different approaches to solving my client's problems, and I don't know enough about yours to be able to answer that question. I have a lot of pricings. It's a big range. And if they keep insisting, I would say pass. It's probably not a good opportunity. Even if you were to win them as a client, they might be a nightmare to work with. And then finally, the close. Once you realize that they have a challenge, you might help them with offer the call. And one of my earlier errors was that I spent too much time in exploration mode trying to add value. Instead, as soon as they say something that signals to you that you might be able to help get off LinkedIn and get on the phone. Very important to frame it also as I don't know if I can help you, but let's explore. It shows non-neediness, high status, and importantly, it's non-threatening. Never say, I can definitely help you with that. It's presumptuous. You don't know. After a quick back and forth on LinkedIn, you don't know if you can help them. You know far too little. So a great sentence that I've been always using is, this sounds like something I might be able to help you with. I suggest we jump on a quick phone call to explore. This sounds like something is key because it's just kind of my impression. It's my subjective impression. Cool. And then a quick note on inbound prospecting. If somebody adds you, I just recently had that. Somebody added me recently and didn't say anything. So I was like, okay, could it could be a client. So I always start a conversation with by saying, um, hi there, good to be connected. Curious, did uh, was it my content or my profile that got your attention? And then people start talking and then you figure out that they have a problem and then you invite them on a call. So the, the conversation flows much more naturally and you are starting from a position of authority if they have added you. But it's also easy to get seduced to chit chat. So just treat it like any other prospecting conversation and enjoy the fact that it's much easier. Um, yeah, so there's a checklist that, I mean, we're not going to go into all the details, but you can, uh, if you want, you can screenshot this and just look at it when you don't know what you're doing wrong in outbound prospecting, right? If ever you feel stuck, just look at this and like, look, if it's the rapport, did I not send a pitch, which you shouldn't send a pitch? Did I send some kind of a compliment? That's good. 
Did I write something that could not have been automated? Also good. Did I ask a question? That is all key. It shouldn't be a yes or no question. Many people will just respond to you yes or no. Avoid that. So it shouldn't be a yes or no question. And very key, did you adhere to the wider field of concern theory? And then in the exploration phase, did I transition to discussing business after a bit of back and forth? Because that's where most people get stuck. They just get stuck in rapport land and they don't know how to do that. That's the most difficult part here, right? So this needs to be exercised. You're gonna make mistakes, perfectly normal, but try the transition to discussing business after a few backs and forths, that's key. And then again, did you adhere to the wider field of concern theory? And the close, as soon as they indicate that you have a problem, offer them an exploratory call. You know, make it clear that the discovery call would be brief and uh, you won't be pitching them. That's also something you can do. If you have many people kind of like, ugh, no, it's too pitchy and so on, you say, no, it's just to get to know each other and promise no pitching. It's just about understanding if we might be a fit. And that's it. And the rest are uh, resources for, well, this is for my clients. That's it. Um, yeah, let's quickly run through the math. 1% of your target audience are the bedrock closable clients, but initially you will not be very good at prospecting yet. So to get one client, you'll probably need to start somewhere in a range of 100 to 300 conversations. It sounds like a lot, but on LinkedIn, it's not much, right? You just that you spend like a minute or two on the first line on average that flows pretty quickly. And you should be able to clock that in, in a week, maximum two weeks. And I just spoke, I just got off the phone with a client and we realized that in his case, the number is 200 roughly, right? He needs to start 200 conversations, get one client. And here are actually my outbound numbers. Um, 100 first messages, 51 responses, 39 back and forth, 6.4 short calls, 15 minutes, 2.2 long calls, and that usually gets, oh, these numbers are a bit outdated. My, my numbers are actually slightly better. It's about one, one client that I get out of that. So yeah, 139 conversations, so I get one client. I've gotten better since then, so it's about 100 conversations to get one client. And time required, that's a good one. Five minutes to start a conversation, 15 minutes to conduct a substantial conversation. Of course, by the way, this only works if your clients are you know, high ticket. You shouldn't do this with a thousand dollar clients, obviously. And so that means five hours a week gets you a client a month on average. Cool. Yeah, those are some of, yeah, still slightly old numbers, but usually right. Interesting is the difference here between outbound and inbound. Look, on outbound, 100-ish first messages to get a client, Inbound, when people add me on LinkedIn, 22 first messages to get a client. That's awesome, right? So it's way better. And that's why content is so great because you then get inbound interest in, in what you do. Cool. Um, yeah, this is workflow. Yeah, there's some, some workflow issues that I'm not going to get into too much detail, but it's like, it's really important to design your workflow so that you're really fast. You can toggle between different screens where you have LinkedIn on one, your tracker on the other and so on. So it's like, it's good to lay that out, but I don't think this is worth getting into too much detail here. Yeah, it's a good uh, productivity tip. Use press enter to send. Some people are actually still using this whether you need to click send to send a message, very bad idea. You definitely should have enter to send. And then you can also, of course, edit messages. I hope that everybody knows that by now. You can edit messages that are less than one hour old. So if you ever type something wrong, then you can always edit them. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
Any questions, Kurt? No, it's useful? pretty straightforward. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, the conversion rate's helpful. That's about what I was getting, so I feel right on point there. So excellent, great. Yeah. So you won't really have. So when you said you with like cold emailing and cold messaging, you mentioned that in the beginning that you have challenges there. Any anything in particular? No, no. I think uh, yeah. I mean, just find something you can people can relate to. Um, or you can relate to the prospect with. So no, that's pretty straightforward, actually. I like it. Cool. Awesome. Any questions? I see Unric's questions. Would love to discuss with you how to segue from chit chat and free content into real business and becoming a client. You know, Unric, honestly, if you have done a good job in rapport building, the transition into exploration and talking business can sort of happen on your terms. This is part of like an alpha mindset that you have. You notice this how like people who are very charismatic, they usually direct the conversation flow. They decide what topic is going to be decided next. You have that. I'm sure you know this from like when you're standing around, you know, in a circle in a party. I mean, still in times when this was allowed to do and you were standing around at a party, there's usually one or two people who are dominating the conversation in a good way. The other people let them dominate, but they have this charisma to pull that off that they are deciding on the topics in this group of five, six, seven people. It's really fascinating to me because some people are way better than that, but this can be learned. And so point being here, Enric, to your question, the segueing from chit chat, if you have this mindset of I live in my world and you're a visitor in my world, I decide what's the next topic. You then, after you've done some chit chat, oh yeah, nice, beautiful pictures with the dogs uh, and so on. You then can say, listen, so I actually looked at your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you blah, 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 blah. And that's it. You just, you, you change the topic. You can preface it with a, oh, by the way, actually I looked or something like this, you know, some kind of transition, but it doesn't matter what it is. If you have that powerful frame where you are genuinely interested in their success, you really want to help them and you are done for you, you subjectively are done with rapport, just go for it. It's going to work. People sense that even through the medium of DMs, of chat. That's it. Cool. And actually, Anrik, as you asked this, and I was talking about this person who dominates the conversation, I actually imagined you. So <laughs> I think it's actually a good reminder. You are probably one of those people who, and it's, it's a good way, you're obviously a charismatic guy, but simply having that attitude while you're starting conversation with strangers on LinkedIn, priceless. Really good. Cool. Any other questions, Kurt, or anybody listening? No, I liked it. It was short and sweet and to the point. So I, I liked it. I appreciate that. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining in. I always prefer much more having somebody to, to talk to. And uh, do you have a commitment for us, Kurt? How many conversations will you start over the next week? Well, this week's kind of tough because of the holidays and uh, I'm traveling a bit. So um, I'm going to, you know, once the holidays are over, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to do at least uh, maybe 20 a week, 30 a week. Awesome. And uh, yeah. Good. We're going to hold you to it. We're going to ask you publicly if you've done it. Awesome, man. Great talking to you. Hey, thank oh, you very much. Enric has another question. How do you keep on track to see who you need to follow up with. I have thousands of inbound messages, great rapport, and I don't follow any of them up systematically. Honestly, Anrik, in your case, I would not do that yourself. I would have somebody do that for you. And I have a very detailed spreadsheet where this person can do that. I would just say for you, Anrik, because you're running a big business already, 
I would just have some way of noting down, and probably I would use your calendar. Depends on your workflows. I like Google Calendar a lot. So if ever I have somebody who's, like I see is a really good hot prospect and they could potentially grow to become a large client, I just put that in a calendar for whatever, next Monday, follow up with John Smith, right? Just do some something manual that works for you. But doing that systematically, I would actually get someone to do that for you. I don't think, especially since you, since I know you, you're not the guy to be tracking faffy spreadsheets. Cool. Any other questions, Andre? You were like, you are asking a lot. Is there anything else I can help with? See, and if not, it's been a pleasure. Anybody who I will not see before Christmas anymore, have a wonderful Christmas time and a beautiful start into the new year and some quiet time, peace and love with your family. Great to uh, great to be talking to you. All the best. All the happy holidays. Thank you. Bye bye. Happy bye -bye. holidays. Bye -bye. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grand. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com. Caffeine burns, wide awake, dreams and colors.